Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by one of my favourite speakers from the Wellness Summit in Melbourne. She did a great job. She's a sports nutritionist, she's a triathlete, and she calls herself a cashew butter addict. Uh, She's from Melbourne in Victoria. Welcome to the show, Steph Lowe. Hi, Brett. Thanks for having me. Cashew butter addict. How's that? <laughs> Have you ever made your um, homemade cashew butter? Like I have in made a homemade cashew blender? butter. It's pretty good. Ah, oh, amazing. So I'm just picturing you sitting at home with a little jar, just eating it straight out of the jar. Is that what happened? <laughs> Look, I try not to go that far down the rabbit hole, but I do love it in smoothies and occasionally off the spoon. <laughs> nice. All right, Steph. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's been your journey? How did you end up as a sports nutritionist? Yeah, absolutely. So it's quite a long story, but I'll take you back um, into my teenage years, actually, because what actually happened was I I developed an interest in nutrition, um, but I actually took it a little bit too far. I um, developed what I can obviously now say was quite a disordered relationship with food and exercise, and that took me on this journey um, of losing a lot of weight, but... Um, Certainly at the same time, um, identifying that that wasn't the answer to, to making me happy. Um, I had a lot of issues going on with my, with my mood and I felt like I'd seen lots of different profes- professionals but sort of only ended up in that conventional round of perhaps being prescribed um, pharmaceuticals. Um, I then obviously realised that I needed to create some change myself, <clears throat> pardon me, and started doing some reading but really starting to look at my relationship with food um, and to, I guess, to see what I could do, what I could change um, in my nutrition that could perhaps help with the way I was feeling and, and certainly at the same time develop a healthy relationship with food and exercise. Um, by the time I was about 21, I actually met um, a, a, a guy who is now a friend at a local gym and he suggested that I needed to quit gluten. This was 10 years ago now and, and he had obviously he was obviously um, in front of me at the time in regards to the research but as we now know the, the connection with, with gut health um, and certainly brain and mood is, is very clear um, and 90% of our serotonin production occurs in the gut. So I went through this journey of, of healing my gut and, and changing the way I ate um, 
to try and, you know, certainly change the way I was feeling. And, um, and at the same time, um, I learned obviously a lot about nutrition, health and wellness, but then, you know, obviously the power of food was clear to me because my life was completely changing. I no longer needed to see like a therapist or a, or a life coach or a book on happiness. Um, I had my own form of like medication, which was going gluten-free and, and moving into a, a real food lifestyle. And that was a huge blessing for me because it allowed, it was the catalyst for the next stage of my life, which um, I went back to studying nutrition at a postgraduate level. And then I was obviously able to practice as a nutritionist and, you know, share my story and certainly teach everyone the power of real food for health and wellness, but certainly for, you know, gut health and the, the ongoing um, effects of that. And so, then it was – go oh, on. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. You're on a roll. Don't stop. <laughs> no, I didn't realise I was going to talk this much. But so then about four years ago, I started The Natural Nutritioner. So that was sort of my gift to everybody to be able to continue to spread this <coughs> message. Um, and we work largely with um, individuals and athletes to teach that real food lifestyle and certainly the benefits for day-to-day living but for athletic performance. Nice. All right. So you, you obviously, as I said, call yourself the natural nutritionist. Um, you've got a podcast show now, which is, I'm going to get this right, The Real Food Real. Have I got that yes. right? <laughs> I, I just all of a sudden had a blank then. I was, <laughs> oh my God, I can't remember. Um, I'm glad I got that right. That'd be really embarrassing. Um, so what does that mean to you? What, what is a natural nutritionist and what is real food to you? Absolutely. So um, a natural nutritionist is certainly... Um, I guess a nutritionist that can can provide the the education on how to move away from perhaps a conventional food pyramid approach. We look at real food as being something that comes out of the ground, off a tree or from an animal. And the overarching focus of that is providing the most nutrient-dense whole foods. Nice. Simple. Very simple. <laughs> so, I think we've complicated it for 40 or 50 years. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing mm. how complex we try and make things. Like we, we've got – I often say we spend so much time talking about the stuff around the fringes, you know, because that's kind of what's new or what it's exciting or what's different. But, you know, 99% of the results come from just doing the simple things really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. So what does that look like? So when people come in to see you, Steph – um, you know, what does it look like? Where do, where do we usually start? What are, what are the common problems you see, I guess, might be the first spot to start with? Yeah, I think what's happened in the last few years, and you've probably seen this too, Brett, is there's been a fantastic revolution with, you know, certainly paleo and real food. And that's been amazing for education and awareness. But what we see is actually quite a sense of overwhelm. People get the, get the principles of jerf, of eating real food, they're probably across paleo to some degree or, or some are actually, you know, quite deeply invested in that, in that sort of lifestyle. But the challenge is for a lot of people, um, I guess, separating all the information into what they need to do personally. As we know, nutrition is one of the most personalized things. And I guess what we like to really support and guide people through is perhaps either adapting what they're already doing or teaching them what they need, what their body needs, and obviously how to make it a lifestyle rather than it being like an eight-week program or anything that's short-term and perhaps too restrictive or not suitable to the individual. 
Yeah, and, and that seems to be the real sort of push at the moment is a lot of people talking about how we can individualize it and, you know, even within the paleo community, really talking about how we do that. And uh, and I guess the challenge with that seems to be, do we know enough? You're like, How do we actually figure out what's right for what person? You know, one, one of the things I guess we love about the paleo lifestyle is it's just, it kind of simplifies things. It's like, just get back to basics, you know, and it'll be okay. But then Obviously, as we start to try and personalize it again, it starts to get more complicated again. So what do we base that upon? I mean, do we do it based on how we feel when we eat stuff? Do we do it based on blood tests? Do we do it based on our genetics? You know, what do you use to try and determine what's the best thing for that individual person? Yeah, I think all three. I think particularly initially that intuition, the intuitive element is something that we really try to teach our clients because I believe that most of us have lost that. So it's about actually being able to identify things like, you know, paying attention to your sleep, your energy levels, your digestion. Certainly the athletes we work with, we look at, you know, avoiding or minimizing injuries, ongoing performance and and certainly recovery. And so these are the markers that we like to sort of track. And so if we ask a client to do a food diary, for example, we're not looking at specifically like how many grams of avocado you you ate. It's more like, all right, so what's the overall impact? How do I feel? And what's my hunger or what's my satiety like? And those are some really important lessons because ultimately I see my role as a guide. I can't do it for someone. I'm absolutely loving supporting them along the way, but I've got to be able to teach them some skills that they can then take away with them and, and obviously take out into the real world. Nice. And, and does like- there need to be a time frame around that? I mean, do they need to do it for a certain period of time before you can really try and objectify that? Yeah, I think initially if it's someone that's moving from <coughs> quite a standard Australian diet or, you know, have, they've been maybe listening to either the food pyramid or for our athletes following the conventional sports nutrition advice, they need to allow like an eight to 12 week, I guess what we call a transition phase. And that's not that they won't learn anything in week one or day one, but obviously there's quite a lot going on with that transition. Um, And, you know, behind the scenes, what our goal is, is to actually help shift um, someone's metabolic profile so that they're not in that trap of being a sugar burner, which comes from the food pyramid and being told to eat, you know, eight to 11 serves of whole grains per day. We want the athlete or the individual to have um, the, the natural metabolic type of a human, and that's to be burning fat all day. And that process, that metabolic reorchestration going from a sugar burner to a fat burner, we know takes, it takes weeks. So we like to work with the individual in that initial transition phase so that we can keep adjusting and then ultimately come up with what the plan looks like moving forwards. Nice. So you've just said then that the natural state for a human is to be a fat burner. Now, for many people, that'll be quite a controversial statement. You know, there's a lot of people out there who will say, well, no, we need sugar. We need to burn sugar because that's what we need for our brains, that our body won't function properly if we're not having sugar, that, you know, we need to maintain our sugar levels so that we keep our um, blood sugar levels at the right levels, you know, all sorts of things we hear out there. So Mm. can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I think if we go back to look at our evolutionary days, one of the big things to remember is that we didn't have a constant food supply. So I think when people use the argument now that they need to maintain their sugar or um, that they need to eat those certainly certain uh, certain food groups, so the carbohydrates, they're in that trap because they're eating carbohydrates all the time. So we know that when we eat 
particularly refined carbohydrates in excess, what happens is that spikes the hormone insulin, which is basically that cascade for ongoing need for glucose or for carbohydrates, certainly hunger, energy swings, and that reliance that you feel like you need carbohydrates to keep you going and to to give you energy and, and so on and so forth. So I think people are in that trap because largely that's all we know. Those, our generation only know the advice of the last 40 or 50 years, which has come from the agricultural industry and the food pyramid and the vested interests of our governments. And that's a whole other story. So I think if we go back to what our ancestors did, you know, they obviously ate what was available, but they went for periods without food. There certainly wasn't refined carbohydrates available. And so then metabolism was geared to being really good at burning fat because that was perhaps all they had in, in periods where food wasn't available. And certainly as soon as you lower your refined carbohydrates, most of us move into a fat-burning state of varying degrees, of course, and our ancestors didn't have those foods available. So whilst they, while they may have been eating carbohydrates in, in some form, whether it was starchy veggies or, or, or natural um, ancient grains that were available, they certainly weren't eating them in the abundance that, that we are as a, as a nation. Yeah, Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things you said earlier on was that at the start of this journey, you had a bit of a disordered relationship with food and exercise. And I'd love you to talk a bit more about that, if that's okay, because... You know, one of the things we started to hear a lot about is, is things like, you know, orthorexia. Um, yeah. and, and there seems to be some debate about what that is and whether that exists and, you know, all sorts of stuff around that. But um, and, and whether, you know, just pure healthy eating ends up being called orthorexia. You know, it, it's, mm. it's a fine line there and a fine balance. But obviously for a lot of people, they can, um, you know, get out of control when it comes to food. Um, and they can start to obsess too much about both food and exercise. Um, so... Yeah, I guess the first question is, how do you know when you're just being healthy or when you're being unhealthily healthy, if that makes sense? <laughs> and uh, mm. and the second part of it is, you know, how did you deal with that? How did you overcome that yourself? Yeah. So the first question is a tricky one, but as, as a nutritionist, I feel I'm always geared to that word of balance. And I know people can argue that <laughs> because, you know, one can take that quite quite far but I'm not going to say balance is like junk food or going out and, and, you know, getting boozed. But balanced is obviously being able to enjoy your food, share your food with others and, you know, not sweat the small stuff, so to speak. Like you're obviously supporting a paleo lifestyle. We talk real food. Same thing essentially to, under the one umbrella. But we're not saying to someone that they can't, you know, have a piece of cake on their birthday and whether they want to eat gluten-free or refined sugar-free or paleo, that's totally cool. But it's not something that we need to get caught up in and, and start to, I guess, you know, overthink and, and complicate. Yeah. It's, a, it's obviously a, a, a tightrope with regards to how far you take it. But I, I like the 80-20 rule. I think everyone needs to eat real food, but balance is really important. So it doesn't become a stress or certainly a disorder. Food is about nourishing, healing, and sharing, not a stressor. Nice. I like that. You know, the way I always think about it is that it should be something that you do because you'd love to do it, not because you do because you feel like you have to do it. Yeah. And so I think if you decide you'd like to do more than 80%, I reckon that's fine if that's what you'd love to do and you love doing it and it makes you feel great and you enjoy the benefits of it. But if you're doing more than 80% because you feel like you have to because you're worried about what people will think or how you'll look or, you know, whatever it happens to be, 
then I think that's when it starts to get a bit unhealthy. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the the relationship is what's important. Like you can be a hundred percent paleo. I think that's awesome, but it's how you do it. It's how you approach it. Yeah, and, and I how think it makes you, you feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think you would have seen this quite um, quite a lot, Brett. When paleo became really popular, I felt like it was quite dogmatic. Yeah, which became polarizing. Whereas now, what I love the most is that everyone's being just really, I guess, nice and gentle with their message and it's certainly not black or white or um, prescriptive in its nature. Well, I think you see that both on a population scale and also on an individual scale where, you know, whenever anyone makes these sort of changes, they have a tendency in their early days because often they're a bit insecure in, in their changes and insecure in their knowledge of the changes to be a bit defensive about it. And to be a yeah. bit sensitive about it. And so I think everyone who goes through these sort of changes in the early days has a little bit of a period where, A, they're a bit evangelical about it, mm, <laughs> and B, they're a bit defensive about it because they want to be right. You know, And mm. I think that's a very natural thing. Um, and, but then I think as it evolves and people get more comfortable with what they're doing, because really it's actually about you, it's not about anyone else, it's about you being more comfortable with what you're doing. But as you become a bit more comfortable with what you're doing, you become okay with other people not doing that and other people choosing to follow their own path and that being okay too. Um, so, so I think definitely it's a, you know, it's a maturity thing that's happened, don't you? Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I think you know, we, all, we are also learning, like we touched on before, that it is so individual. It's, it's not that we can give you know, your nutrition to me and my nutrition to my client so that we do need to be more accepting of what works for the individual. And if that means they're eating rice or a little bit of dairy or whatever it looks like, then I think that's totally cool as long as, long as it works for the individual. Nice. So, Steph, coming back to, I guess, the, the relationship with food, yes. you know, how did you get over that? Like, How did you move past that? Or, or have you gotten over it? I guess it's probably the first part of the question. Yeah, I definitely have. It was about uh, it was about ten years, or it was actually probably eleven years ago now. Um, for me, it was actually largely the the transition away from low fat eating. I actually, when it all started for me, it was in that low fat era, and so I basically eliminated every fat possible. I, I was a nightmare for my parents. Like I wouldn't eat what they cooked for me yeah. and I was counting calories and just totally obsessed and consumed by food, how much I weighed, my next gym session. Um, but obviously we know that fats are really important for the brain and certainly um, that low-fat eating can be quite detrimental to, to brain health and certainly cognitive function. So I think definitely part of it was adding good fats back into my life, cutting out gluten, which was really affecting me mentally. Um, but the big catalyst was um, studying nutrition. Yeah, okay. I, I think a lot of it for me as well was wrapped up in not feeling like I had a purpose in life. And this sounds so cliche, but <laughs> like great. once I found like my purpose to be a nutritionist and to be able to share this message, I suddenly had like this real purpose in life. And that was a, a big catalyst in, in my healing as well. Nice. Well, that why is just so important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and, and I, I hope... share this story with a lot of people because I do get contacted by um, individuals that perhaps have identified that they don't have a great relationship with food and they feel like there's no solution for them. So I do like to share this story and I've, you know, I've actually written a blog about it with, with more details because 
um, because I feel like it gives people hope. It is possible to make those changes and to completely overhaul your life and whether it's sadness or illness or indecision or lack of purpose. Like I think nutrition and, and obviously brain health, gut health is, is absolutely paramount in that. Yeah, and I hope it didn't come across as insensitive before when I asked if you were over it. But, but you know, the, the point I guess I was trying to get at is that you know a lot of people times people will talk about various different you know addictions or you know whatever it happens to be, and and they'll say that you know it can be something that sticks with you forever and that that you constantly have to sort of battle with and you're not necessarily battle with, but be conscious of and and work with and and those sort of things. And and I was just curious as to whether, you know, from that perspective, whether there were still things that you needed to be conscious of in terms of the way you eat and the way you exercise that that to not get too obsessive about that. Or is it something that by doing those right things you've spoken about, you've been able to just totally overcome and not have to worry about? Well, it's an interesting question because I guess I always think about food because I live and breathe it and I talk about it all day. So there's an element of it always being a big focus of my life. Um, I think now that I think about another big catalyst though as well, if we go back to that that conversation we were having about becoming um, more of a fat burner. So for me, that was huge because back when I was calorie counting, I was also (laughs) starving and eating every two hours. So I would literally sit there and feel like I had to count down the minutes until I could eat again. And that is an absolute trap because you're totally trapped by food and hunger and consumed by that next meal. Whereas now I really control my macronutrients and I only eat whole food carbohydrates. So I only need to eat like maximum three times a day. So that's allowed me to have a lot of freedom and that actually works yeah. quite well in clients that I do um, the metabolic reorchestration with because, you know, no one wants to be eating five or six times a day, let alone when they're obsessed by food and having a real hard time healing their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fantastic, Steph. I, thank you for sharing that with us because that's such an important <laughs> journey that you've been on and, and so important to share that information with people and yeah, in some ways just give some people hope if they are having challenges that there's different ways of doing this stuff as well. So Yeah, Steph, it took me a long time to write that story. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mm. bet. It can be really challenging sharing some of that stuff sometimes. Yeah. But but well done for doing it because you there would be so many people out there getting helped by the fact that you've done that. And no doubt, so many people listening to this podcast right now who have just been helped by listening to that story. So yeah, well done, Steph. Thank you. Um, thank you. Now, one of the other things I noticed when I was looking on your podcast, we're digging into all the dirt here, is that um, <laughs> you're having a bit of a break from your triathlons at the moment. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what brought that about? Obviously, that's something you were very passionate about as well. Um, and, and it seems from reading that that it seems it's it's once again part of you following this journey, doing you know, taking your own advice, doing what's right for your body. So can you share that with us? Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the the biggest decision was actually a business decision. So I um, I spent a good sort of four years doing half Ironman triathlons, which involves probably you know twelve up to fifteen hours of training. But obviously, on top of that, you've got um, not only triathlon training, you've got strength training, you might have um, physio appointments or, you know, your mobility work. And it can actually be like quite time consuming and, and I love it, but I, I just felt like it didn't, it didn't fit in with where my business was at and how busy I am and what my goals are for the natural nutritionist. So I wanted to be able to do, I guess, each well and I felt like I didn't have the ability to do half Ironmans really well and the natural nutritionist really well. 
So the number one reason was because I want to invest some more time in my business. But what also happened in Feb, when I raced Challenge Melbourne, I actually didn't realise, um, but I had a lot of sort of structural issues, which I now know um, stem from sitting too much, talk about learning the hard way. <laughs> and I ended up with quite a lot of like problems through my hip flexors and my lower back, and I had a really unpleasant half marathon off the bike. Um, and I just decided that I needed to obviously sort of I basically start from scratch. So um, I needed to, to make some lifestyle changes to make sure I wasn't sitting and, and working too much. Um, but I also needed to take some time off to get stronger because I felt like a lot of the issues had stemmed from me uh, perhaps not prioritizing strength training and, 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 and sitting and then obviously riding a bike in that flexed position for hours on end. Um, so getting back in the gym and then I said, I said changing my lifestyle as well. Um, but wrapped up in that as well, I was just feeling quite tired. I, um, I guess I, I just felt like my body wasn't functionally functioning optimally. You know, I was relying on caffeine a little bit too much. I still always eat really well, but I wanted to take a break to sort of reset and feel like I was doing it really healthily rather than sort of just getting through and, nice. and being tired and then obviously getting injured and so on and so forth. So I just sort of committed to taking some time off and that, and I've been training, like I still move every day, but I'm not doing structured training and I certainly haven't um, entered another race, but yeah, I just wanted to do it healthily and, and fix the areas that I felt were contributing to, to what actually happened in Feb. Yeah. Nice. Well, I love that, Steph. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around the concept that it might be possible to have a pleasant half marathon having just done a swim and a cycle, <laughs> but, but clearly you're suggesting that is possible. Uh, I have had one or two in my life, so that gives me hope. <laughs> sounds pretty tough to me. So, hey, Steph, tell us a bit about the Real Food Real podcast. How's it going? Yeah, really good. We've had some great feedback and um, you know, it's obviously our first year, so we're, you know, we're learning a lot, but we've had some great guests on and... We also love to actually interview our clients or our athletes and we find nice. those to be really popular as well because I think we're all inherently like nosy in a nice way, yeah. but people really love to learn from those that have, you know, changed to a real food lifestyle or totally overhauled what they do from an athletic point of view. That's great. And um, yeah, they're all, always really exciting and we just like to spread the message. So we always have the, the umbrella of real food, but we talk about certainly a lot to do with sports performance and fat adaptation. But, you know, we, we have some great gut health specialists, um, immunity, and we have some really cool speakers coming up um, in the next few weeks. Uh, we've got some new to, to share some new research with everybody about what's happening in Australia. And I won't say too much, but yeah, some really, um, really well-educated podcasters that are that are you know really making waves in the area of research, which I love. Nice. Well, that's that all sounds awesome. It's very exciting, and you've got a new ebook coming out as well. Yeah, it's it's actually just finished today, so nice. we're just preparing for the launch, and we'll have a really cool little giveaway. But that's called the Real Food Reset. So what we've designed is a guide to. Teach everyone how to eat real food, teach them more around sort of how they can start to build their plate. So what foods are best and perhaps in what ratios depending on their goals. Um, we've put together a 14-day meal plan, which we find we get asked a lot for. 
um, as a as a guidance. I don't like to sort of give meal plans that are so black and white. I think they need to be tailored. But as a starting point, we have also chosen to educate around food preparation techniques. So we like to sort of, you know, eat well but not feel like we have to live in the kitchen. So tips and tricks to make sure your food preps um, really, really fantastic but without being time-consuming. Our recipes are either coded to be sort of lower carbohydrate choices for those interested in um, fat burning principles. We've got, you know, vegetarian options and low fat, low FODMAP suggestions um, and heaps of post-training ideas as well because we want to obviously promote that refueling but a really nice anti-inflammatory environment. So real food is always going to facilitate that. So that'll be online or it'll be online now. And, um, yeah, just downloadable downloaded from our website nice so if people want to find more about you steph they can go to the natural nutritionist.com.au absolutely um they can find you on facebook and instagram both at the natural nutritionist yeah um they can check out your ebook the real food reset and uh, you've got some other ebooks on there don't you steph yeah we've got a couple of other um like a gluten-free ebook and a christmas guide as well there'll be more coming up in um in recent in recent months Perfect. And obviously, lots of people will contact you about personalized nutrition support. So what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Do they just look you up on the website? Yeah, bookings can be made straight through our website. It's really user-friendly. And the best place to start is with an initial consultation. And that's where we'll go through, you know, all medical history and general health and set you up with what your personalized nutrition plan needs to look like. Um, we have available a complimentary 15-minute consultation. A lot of people like to take that route because, you know, essentially we can meet <coughs> over Skype or phone and, and connect and, and make sure that we're the right sort of fit for one another. Um, and from there, we can book you into your initial consultation. Um, but for any questions, we can help you with your bookings and anything else you want to uh, learn more about. And you can just send us an email. It's hello at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Steph. It's been a pleasure having you on board. It's been great to chat. Thanks for having me, Brett. And keep up the great work on the podcast and the ebooks and, and all of those amazing things you're doing. Awesome. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.